Honesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. I'm sitting down looking at my sister in the office, and I am absolutely nowhere near Ireland even at the moment. Um, but I am Aaron and we're going to be talking about the Lou podcast. Sarah. And I am anonymous, the sister. <laughs> I was ju- I literally just said, Sarah, <laughs> what's the crack? I am sitting here in delightful, delightful rain. I'm so happy to see rain again. It's been sunny for too long. It's been terrible. Absolutely terrible. I don't know why anybody thinks it's a good idea, frankly. The rain. I mean, the summer. The rain? The rain is, a one, the rain is objectively a great idea. The sun. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. Although we have had cloud here for the last four days. And it was very hot. It, like, it was blissfully hot when I got here. And it was gorgeous. And I loved it. And it was like 27, 28. And then it got to 30. And then it was like, okay, this is too hot. This is too hot. It was over hot. And then there was, yeah, it was a whole lot of heat. And then just couldn't ever cool down. So then I, I was going to sleep. I just couldn't cool down at all. They were just overheating. And it was it was terrible. And then eventually there was cloud open windows. Like, yay, hi, you clouds. How are you? Your lovely big blankety feckers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was Clouds nice. are better. Clouds are better. Rain is best. Summer so this, is... You know, I love summer. I, this is my favorite time. My I favorite suppose time. we have to have it. <laughs> like for somebody who endures winter in Ireland so much, you, you, you got to enjoy the summer, you know? Disagree. Just I like understand. the autumn and I like the spring. I actually quite, yeah. I also like the, the winter quite a lot. I think winter is great. Yeah, we'll just agree to disagree on that one. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we have never come close to it, to agreeing on this one. And we never will, I don't think. No. I think we are always going to be at odds on which season is best, even though, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> it's all subjective and there is no objective truth. No, that's fine. And yeah, yeah, I agree. You're allowed to be wrong as well. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Your opinion counts, even if it's a wrong opinion. That's what that's what Exactly. Exactly. So this is our first, uh, can we dare I say, international uh, post-show conversation. It Tuning is. in. God bless the Zoom thing. Because I know. I'm in Berlin for a, can't talk about it. And, you know. I, we're going to be here for a few months, so we got to get used to doing mm-hmm. this for a few. Well, like, in fairness, it's probably been a good thing then that we had to get used to Zoom because of being locked down in our respective houses a few miles away from each other. It it works out exactly the same if you're in a hotel room in a different city in a different country. Like, this is not really any different, except your wall is... I feel like your room is cleaner. <laughs> What's in shot is. Yeah, yeah. By virtue of you haven't been there as long. <laughs> virtue is I don't I, I don't have enough stuff to fucking mess it up. Also, you don't have like all of your stuff with you. You have you have the amount of your stuff that fits in a suitcase to go around the same space that you or the same size of a space that usually has like all of your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So luckily now I've made a fair attempt at making the place diabolically messy but hey look you know it's fine anyway we're not here to talk about my living situation it's homey you can't be relaxed without a bit of chaos in the environment yeah i don't understand this thing about like everything has a place for everything and everything in its place then where the fuck do i go because i feel like i don't have a place 
And I feel like anything I touch is going to be broken and stained and corrupted. It's not a oh, way man. that I can relax with at all. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I, I will, I will um, also, you know, say there's a definite middle ground compared to your cluster and hoarding. I'm just going to call it hoarding uh, level of, of. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, look, we're not here about to talk about household. Uh, you're, you're you're not getting on any kind of high ground about how I keep my house here, bud. <laughs> look how clean it is, though. Look, how, and it's uh-huh. an apartment, not a hotel. Actually, thank God, so I can cook my own food, which is important. Anyway, important. Um, we are here to talk about Lou Savaldonok, and I mm-hmm. just listened. Two, I was walking down the street there now and a, a nice little shower of rain came and it was actually cooling me down. I felt, oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And I was listening to your recorded story and I instantly went, God bless Rory O'Shea. God bless the man because it, it, it's he goes through it painstakingly and he, he'll edit out the, the weird pauses or the coughs or the really long kind of clearly thinking about what you're going to say. And, and then he adds the music to it and you know, he's been doing great. I mean, we, you know, he took that job editing your uh, yes. vocal track off you because it was like stabbing your own eyeballs, I think, or something along that's, those lines. That's usually how I describe editing. Yes, I feel like yeah. it was like stabbing my own eyeballs. And and apparently other people don't mind it that much. Yeah. So, yeah, I, no. I like doing it. I like doing my vocal track myself. Uh, I forgot that you don't do it. Now that Ruth <laughs> had offered. Um, and then... <laughs> Obviously, the the lack of the I mean the lack of the ambience. It's funny. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to uh, what presumably everyone in this podcast has listened to already, which is the uh, the finished product and mm. where the ambience goes in. So, and actually, speaking of the ambience and the work that Rue's doing, he's putting up a rake of content on the the Patreon now, going through how he does that and how and the making of the music. So he's recording like. There are basically bonus episodes of Candlelit Tales making the music that are going up on on Patreon now, which is really, really cool. So if you're not supporting us on Patreon, there's now incentives other than Yera Go On, Just Be Sound, which is kind of in the the only consistent incentive we've been able to come up with so far. I mean, we um, came up with a lot of stuff initially. And then we, we did. Quite and then we, we did it for a little while and then stopped. Hmm. Uh, sorry, mm. I did it for a little while. And mm. You mm-hmm. gloriously did nothing at all, mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> that was not my baby. I was, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Ah, I'll just do all the other social media and admin. Yeah, you do yeah, that yeah. one thing. You do that one thing. Yeah, the one, the one most involved thing. You just, you just take, take, take charge of that. So there yeah, were several both... different things that we've done for a little while and then not done anymore. Uh, but Ruse, Ruse now got making mu- like, yeah, musical stuff uh, going up there regularly, which will be really cool. Well, it is that one thing that people have asked for a few times is, are the, are the music tracks available mm. online without the, just the story? And um, we'll be hopefully putting up, uh, if people want the option of the story without music or whatever. You mean the, uh, the music without story is going to be going up on YouTube as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So luckily, that's all coming at you guys. Um, mm-hmm. So ha- happily with that. Um, I have to talk about the cow first because the first thing that you you enter in with this story, and I absolutely love it. And we've looked at Lou Savaldonok, we've looked at um, you know, that whole this whole story and the birth of Lou specifically a number of times in our live shows. 
And oftentimes it's a hard one to start where mm. exactly to start it. Cause it's, do you start it with Keen coming to the tower? Now I have to go back a bit. Do you start it with just him being born? Well, obviously you have to go back a bit. So there's a couple of starting points, even like him coming to Tara and then, then, you know, going backwards in the story, but starting it with the beast of the, you know, that great, furious, fantastic, not furious, but fantastic all the same. Um, not furious at all, but an ever giving a, a sign of abundance uh, cow. Uh, hilarious. Hilarious. Well, I think, I think it's kind of, it's, there's something innately funny about cows to us just, now. Like, isn't there? Like, there, yeah. there just is. We, there, there's something slightly, you know, and I don't really, it, I don't really know why it is, except I think it's maybe a little bit of a like, it's maybe a little bit of a class snobbery thing. It's maybe a little bit like, you know, they, there's a fellow walking in smelling the cow shit. You know, it conjures a certain image in your head. It, it's maybe some, oh, there's know. something of the, there's something funny about cows. Yeah. And I don't True. know how to unpack why there's something funny about cows. Have when you we ever gone come, cow tipping? Like, hang on. Hilarious. When we come from a culture that historically and culturally venerated cows, we've now come to a place where cows are funny. Cows are not funny. Cows are sacred. You know what I mean? And it's interesting mm. to try and get us back to sacred cow from and like I don't think that this is this is not tied to colonialism and Christianity and like the dismissal of pagan beliefs because I mean that that phrase a sacred cow is kind of like it means or in English it means a false idol and it's referring to Hindu to Hindu tradition yeah um so like there is I think there, I think there's there's a there is some snobbery in in why we find cows funny there is some kind of stuff going on there as to why it is sort of ridiculous and why we see cows as sort of ridiculous. But cows and cattle in ancient Ireland were fundamental. Like they were not just animals. They were all of your wealth. They were all of your food. And like in the time, especially in kind of like spring and early summer, you know, the, the time that we're in now heading towards midsummer, you're, if you didn't have a cow that was giving milk, you might be going to starve to death because the, the you know, you're, you're a long way from harvest, from, you know, big harvest of like the main uh, food crops. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff growing, but it's not necessarily the most nutrient dense. Like there's a lot of leafy stuff growing, but it's not the most hearty food. And the, the medieval diet in Ireland was milk. That was your protein. That was your fat. That was where you got those essential nutrients from. And like milk and fermented milk, which of course is like cheese and buttermilk and all of those different things. That was so, so, so central. So having a cow that doesn't run dry, because like if you think about it in those it's terms, mythic. Yeah. it's mythic. It's mythic. Because if you think about it in those terms, if a cow runs dry, what that means for you and your family is you're going to die, maybe, or at least the old ones and the young ones are because you're not going to have enough food. Like that's a that's a terrifying thing that I think we're very kind of divorced from nowadays when milk is something that you buy in a supermarket. Sure. And also can be made out of oats and almonds 
milk. Like it's 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 a kind of so like that was something that I kind of wanted to start with because I wanted to I wanted to kind of dig into it a little bit and go, well, hang on. What is the deal with this creature? What is the deal with this animal? Mm. And what is the deal with her if she's not funny? Yeah, because it's often framed as this ridiculous and funny thing that Kean has and he gets very upset about. And I think like, I guess, in terms of the colonialism aspect of Irish heritage, Irish language, you know, divorcing um, opinions from, uh, you know, claiming that identity for Irishness and having very strong symbols being language and rural cultures, as well as obviously farm animals were very tied in with that. And I suppose that's, that comes down to that dismissal of that, that mm. where that might've come from. And it's, um, it's a really easy way to uh, undercut the importance of something is to make it be funny. Like it's a really easy way to, you know, under, we know, we know this. We know how easy it is to take something sacred and make it ridiculous. Yeah. It's incredibly simple. And so it's a very powerful tool for anybody mm -hmm. who wants to, to undermine a culture is like, haha, cows, cow tipping. Look how funny. I, hey, look, as a 14 year old, <laughs> it was very funny. Like, it was very funny. Uh, they, they just, they have very big heads. They, they, they move slowly. And they're very funny. Although one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever heard was has been uh, cows like going really mad when their um, calves are taken away from them, and just like the the grieving that they go through, and the just the the bellowing that they go, and um, like there's something definitely you know going on for them, and they're obviously you know really good for. Um, meat and dairy and, and they've been kind of overused mm. for that side of thing for so long now but obviously oh, yeah. like, if you're if you're needing one cow and, and you have one cow to supply you with you're going to have a huge bond with that animal um, and that's kind of where this idea I guess of like the best that it could possibly be the greatest version of this beautiful kind of almost pet but not quite pet that they might, might have had you know and you know Kean definitely didn't love Glasgow as a pet because it's not a pet. It's more no. than that, you know, but Absolutely. it's. Yeah. And yeah. because it's more than that, this idea of ever flowing milk, the abundance that that gives mm -hmm. and then the position and the power that that gives the owner then like, wow, the status yeah. in Ireland that that yeah. has then all of a sudden he's like, one of the three brothers that like take care of the glass going that's you know. their that's their job like that's that's and that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that i wanted to pull on as well as you know these kinds of legends of abundant animals like the goose that lays the golden egg if milk is already gold <laughs> this is the cow that milks gold this is that's what that symbolically that's the meaning of that animal is that she is unlimited wealth and prosperity and like an escape from hunger. And like this is worlds apart from factory farming. This is this is a this is a like you said, if you've got one or two or you know, a small herd of cattle to feed your family, it's a different relationship to I am running this giant farm with hundreds and hundreds of animals. But like actually most farmers even today in Ireland have a lot of respect for their cattle and have a lot of love for their cattle. Of course, you know, most people who work with animals do, but in a way that is 
I think also different because I think, you know, there's an inclination, especially for people who don't work with animals to be very sentimental about them. Whereas most people that I know that work with animals are not sentimental about animals. And if the animal is, you know, in, in pain and needs to be put down, it, it's, it's put down. If it's time to slaughter the pig, you slaughter the pig. Like without actually changing the care. And I would say the love, although it's of a particular kind, it's, a, it's an unsentimental kind of loving and an sure. unsentimental kind of caring. You still give them that. And then when it's time, you end it. And, and I think that's that's also an interesting thing. I think you I think you, you know, again, in in modern culture where meat comes in the supermarket, um, we don't tend to see that relationship very clearly. And we either instrumentalize animals a lot or we sentimentalize animals a lot. Mm. And I guess even just in, in terms of the modern kind of outlook of what the Glasgow might represent, it's that ATM that always you know, churns um, money. You know, it doesn't run dry. And mm -hmm. it's this it's this idea of having an ever uh, an ever flowing fountain of some form of wealth, of some form of abundance that will always be there on tap. It's the, you know, it's the, and we're talking, we've talked about modern mythology, it, the modern mythology of cryptocurrency. What the fuck is that? I don't know, but it's, it's wealth. It, it's this abundance. It's this, and we'll always reach for that. We'll always mm -hmm. reach for this ever flowing form of abundance that will take us away from backbreaking labor and put us to some form of ease and calmness and it's a myth and it's it's never going to be that way for even for people who've made their millions and in whatever crypto they still have their own demons right but there's well, there's yeah. a it's a it's a it's a kernel of it's a little bit of that kind of um you know back to the garden of eden idea of like there is a there is a thing and if we just figure out this one thing all will be ease and all will be rest and all will be well and it's like yeah i mean what the thing is keeps changing which will tell you won't it, it and that's <laughs> that so that's why i find the glass going so interesting it's like sure we look at it like we, we can talk about the historic kind of relationship with cows and cattle in ireland that has a big significance to it but ultimately it's the genie in the lamp. It's this idea of having something that will give you happiness because it's going to supply you with wealth and wealth alone. And it, you know, interestingly, the story it's taken away from Keen and by somebody who clearly is not a happy individual. Um, you know, and and it's but it's the it's this it's the all wanting, devouring, and uh, the the personality that wants to take comes and takes that thing that represents wealth mm -hmm. and abundance away and you know does does Kim become a happier person as a result of that possibly you know you can like possibly uh, he certainly meets Ethlin he's he could you know it's not painted out and that's um one of the things we get we'll get to again we've talked interesting about, moral to put on the story yeah I, I wonder you know well it's just <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I was struck while listening to it of this idea of how every culture and every story seems to have something that will will make them happy, will make them safe and make them secure. Mm. And as soon as that's taken away, suddenly is are you better off because you have to find well, your own way? Well, suddenly there's a story because if you're all happy all the time, there is no story to that. 
And I think also, I mean, it's kind of one of the one of the fundamental things of of humanity is that we mistake happiness for like a state that you can attain. You know, I will be happy someday. I will buy a nice house and a nice car and then I will be happy as if happy is a thing that you get and then you have and then it's in your pocket as opposed to an emotion and emotions are fleeting and transient and always will be. And that goes for negative emotions and positive emotions. And there is no way we can ever be happy. Like that's not a thing Hmm. for anything more than a while. Like we obviously we can be happy. We can be happy for a minute or a day or an hour or an hour within that day. Or we might look back on a year and say that was a really happy year in the main. But like it's an emotion. Emotions fluctuate. It's like telling the sea to be still. Like you can't do it. And it's, it's mm. a, it's a weird, that's also a weird story. You know, the pursuit of happiness <laughs> as, a, as a goal, that, as a thing that you can grab. So I think it's interesting when these, when these like instruments that confer happiness, because they're always, they're always lost. They're always taken. You're always, you always get kicked out of the garden of Eden. There's no way back. And like, this is always this kind of, you know, part of the mythological thing so Kean's loss of the Glasgow and as it usually is in these stories is is the the propulsion to get the story going and like all of these mythic losses you don't get it back there's no That's such thing as getting it back the great thing that like Biro just goes yeah you're not getting that back the Biro over the mountain is fantastic kind of you know that's not that's not an option not happening here's something else though you know, and again, like how instrumental, like essentially without Birog in this, without the guide, without the, you know, the Obi-Wan, there's no transition into the, into where the story could possibly even, you know, really start. And mm-hmm. you have this Birog character who's only fleetingly come up uh, at a name's glance before. And suddenly she is all knowing about this one thing. And, I, you know, it begs the question, did all of the Druids kind of know what the crack was? Could he have gone to any of them? I don't think so. Specifically? I, I've read versions of this story where like, and I, I think I had it in that story as well, where he goes to the Druid who says, I don't know, but this person might know. And then he goes to the person and that person is like, well, I don't know, but she'll probably know. Which is often kind of a fun little bit that you get to do in Irish mythology where it's like, well, he went to the local Druid and the local Druid was like, I haven't a fucking clue, son. But listen, Seamus down the road now. Seamus down the road is a good head in him. I've asked him a few things. And then Seamus down the road is like, I don't know. You go to your one Maeve there. She, she, know, she knows some stuff she knows some secrets that might be in her kind of and like there's this weird little kind of pilgrimage that they'll do and it happens yeah, in some yeah, of yeah. the some of the Fintan McBoker stories as well they're going looking for the oldest man in Ireland and it's this like you know you get to the first one and then you get to the next <laughs> you just have to kind of keep going on this sort of quest that that doesn't stop because every almost... time every time your princess is in another castle Mario it's not here it's over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and, and and that's so important for even the kind of the walkabout idea of like finding do you really need to find this answer will the answer come to you blah 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 is it like you know is there something that you're really looking for that isn't really what that any druid can tell you until eventually like, all right fine yeah maybe maybe the druids have a have a thing where it's like well you have to have you have to have been to at least three druids before i tell you anything um, isn't that a tradition in Judaism where if you want to convert, they refuse you three times? I think it is. Um, I could be wrong Maybe. about that. 
I have no idea. That is uh, a that though. is a thing that I that I would have accrued from popular culture and not from any actual Jewish people. So I apologize if I got that wrong. But, um, yeah, it's Let a, us it's know a, if we it's are an, wrong. it's an interesting kind of an idea, like the refusal, the sort of like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm looking for wisdom. Nah, not here. Go somewhere else. Because it's part of the it, it may and yeah, I think you're right. I think it might be part of proving that you're serious about this or that you're dedicated enough to actually be worthy of the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of going in and, and asking for a job and they go, all right, clean the toilet. So you're like, you know, if you pick up the mop and bucket and go hell for leather, all right, you can wait tables. Just don't fuck it up. Like, you know, yeah, wash your of, hands first. Yeah. Especially uh, after cleaning the toilet hell for leather. But, you know, like bosses who put you through a bit of a runner for yes. to see if you're interested and you're like, do you really have the standard? You, if you go, OK, you want to do that, you can do this. OK, fine. Uh, and, you know, that, that even like desire, finding out if the desire is there in an individual before you offer them a, a reward straight away. And Keen, for example, kind of seems to want the cow back, you know, straight away. It's like, mm-hmm. I got to get the cow back, got to get the cow back. And like eventually, you know, is it the fact that Beer goes like, yeah, but you're asking the wrong question. What you really want to be doing is, how do you get revenge? Is that, is that what you're saying? Reve- oh, revenge, I can help you with. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Kind of <laughs> revenge. Revenge of a sort. Rebalancing. Rebalancing. You know, nice. I like I liked the idea of like my kind of characterizing Birog in this as somebody who was not, not giving Kian the answer he was looking for. Just somebody who knew a lot of stuff. And so when he came to her, it's not that she was like, aha, I have a grand design and you are fitting into it. It was more like, well, this is a thing that I know. And now this guy is coming to me with a totally unrelated problem. But if I put this with this, that kind of solves it, doesn't it? And like that she's just sort of taking him and going, okay, you will fit into this other story. It's not what you, it's not what you want. But I have an interest, I have an interest in this. And now that you're here, exactly. And I kind of like that. I like that idea because I think it really skirts the chosen one idea as well of like and if you, Obi-Wan is like, well, you're not Luke Skywalker, but sure you're here. So you might as well give it a go. You know, and it's actually really. And again, you did that beautifully with um, like skipping a couple of plot points. But like you did that beautifully in that moment where Lou turns to Manon McLear after kind of like going, hang on. So there's a prophecy saying only his grandson, but also the the yeah. person who knows everything but i don't know everything so his answer is yeah but who does and i guess that could be you if you want it to be you know and that's kind of more okay i choose to be this mm. individual i choose to be the hero opposed to i am born into being the hero I yeah have i to was be it. <laughs> i was kind of playing with that idea in this in this whole telling of like destiny and choice and right. like manipulation because mananon can also be quite a not not yeah manipulative but without the negative connotation if you know what i mean where he's like you you go over there and do this random thing and then that sets off a whole chain reaction that you have no idea about so i kind of like the idea of of both mananon and biro kind of fulfilling the same role yeah for these two different for for these kind of two generations you know for for kian and then for lou of like well this isn't what you're asking but this is what you need to know and this isn't this isn't maybe the answer to your question but this is the answer to my issue so (laughs) what do you think about that what do you think about and like letting and i i like the i I also kind of because it's not really clear in the stories when lou knows that lou is lou 
Like at what point is he raised knowing that he is the, the grandson of Balor and he's destined to kill his own grandfather? Or does he just kind of grow up? And I like the I, idea of him growing up without that burden because I think that's it, a burden. Again, in terms of an interesting way you told it, you, you, you supplied an awful lot of the internal like dialogue between Manon and, and, and Lou, which is the internal workings you never really get in, in myths when you, when you read them. And there's so much that's unspoken in myths. Like we don't know what happened with Balor and, and uh, Glasgow. And we have no idea. That's just a dead end. Never we don't know what again. happens. We don't know what happens with Ethelin in the tower. Nothing really happens. Some versions of it, I, I know, have her coming back with Keen, but the vast majority don't. And most of most of them have Balor killing her children, so yeah. she can't have left with Kian if he has if he's able to. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like again, it's in how you tell it. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of dangling threads in mythology. Yeah, and certainly Lou's Lou's kind of growing up is quite blank. Like I love the fact that he's he's endlessly curious and that's what kind of promotes him into this ability. You know, he has, you know, it's that beautiful kind of line of like innate ability and you know, unstoppable, unquenchable curiosity. Yeah. And like it, 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 they seem to find a balance because lots of people can be, you know, super curious, but not have it in them to actually retain the information or yeah. be that skillful or opposite. You know, you can be extremely talented and extremely clever and just not really arsed. And and so then it's it's actually those two meeting yeah. at the same level. It's like, whoa, okay, we got we got somebody who's a contender here for something big, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like it's the other level. It's like when oh, when I think of people who are like who are at the top of their game, musician wise, yeah. career singer wise, actor wise, performer wise, you know, people who are even in in business in all those diverse fields, all of those of fields, just the arts. <laughs> I was getting They're to business. I was no. literally getting to business. <laughs> I was also saying in tech and writing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was getting yeah, in yeah, dick. Yeah, yeah um, right. <laughs> listen back. I literally just said business as you cut me off. Um, but okay, so I'm clearly more interested and passionate about uh, the arts. But uh, I mean, it's it's the it's the formidable other level. It's like holy shit, that is insane because. And it's that like demand and self motivation that people are at the top of their game are on whatever field they're doing, like will motivate themselves to push on and break barriers, break their PBs and their personal bests for whatever reason. But they have like they, they have a huge amount of talent already. Uh, you know, they garnered it over whatever, how many thousand hours of practice, perhaps. But it's that lovely attitude of you just being curious and being open to something and asking questions and not letting that curiosity die seems to be like the greatest that that for me is the is the difference that for me is the thing because i think and it's particularly kind of contrasting lou with bress because bress was a specialist and to me bress is a lot more like an actor at the top of his game or a sportsman at the top of his game in that he's got one thing and he's amazing at it and that's his thing and that's his only thing. Sorry, something Jeez. fell down in my office. I don't know what it was. I was like, are you getting robbed? <laughs> no, it's fine. Sometimes foxes run across the roof. It's it's a thing. It's fine. It's a little highway for them. Um, but this is like, to me, that's very different. If you've got someone at the top of their game, because usually these are people who are very fixated on one thing and they're extremely good at one thing. And a lot of the time, 
They only value that one thing. And right. that to me is the breast kind of prodigy where you're excellent at your one thing and you kind of, it's, it's also sort of the only thing that you rate. Like you yeah. don't think that any, any other talents are really worthwhile. Whereas Lou has a much, much more expansive point of view. He's a much more open point of view. And I think that's something that it's not necessarily about beating the personal best and being very self-competitive because for me, those driven types I, in my experience, they are more, they have more in common with the breast type, just in the main, because I think the types that are really unusual and not necessarily at the top of their field, but just the most unusual and interesting people are the people who are interested in everything and maybe quite skilled in a lot of different areas, right? but are incredibly respectful of other people's talents. And that's where the curiosity comes in. Like, mm. how did you do that now? I wouldn't have thought of doing it that way. I did it this way, but show me how you did that. Show me how you did that again. Like that to me is the sort of Lou curiosity, the openness, the like, that's, that's not my way. And therefore my reaction is not to be like, well, that's not how it's supposed to be done. My reaction is tell me more about that. Why are you doing it that way? I wouldn't you like, what is it that you're doing? What, where is that coming from? Why is it, why is it this way? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you, you, you know, um, it's people who are, I guess, multifaceted in their interests and have a, a wider sphere are obviously taking in an awful lot more, you know, information across the board. And then ultimately it's kind of like, looking at music theory it's one of those things you're like ah you can learn a little bit and then just see like the vast quantity mm. of of stuff that is completely unknown and as soon as you dip a toe into any field whether it's cooking or craft or sewing or or anything like you're like okay right i can do a little bit but there's just there's a lifetime to catch up with if i want to actually get masterful absolutely. at it you absolutely know? and i oh, think that's God. that's the thing that's the thing where that's also the thing that you get where you get a kind of a degree of humility to those kinds of people Massive. who are like, well, I'm comparing myself to the people who only do this and don't do anything else. I do this and 15 other things and I'm competent at all of them, but I wouldn't call myself a master. And yeah. I think that's more the kind of like Lou, obviously, being a being a god, being a mythic character, he is the master of all. He is able to take it to that ultimate level because mythology but i think most of those kinds of jack of all trades type people yeah they get a level of competency and then they move on to the next thing but they're always only ever they're not comparing themselves to the lay person right they're comparing themselves to the expert yeah. and so you're kind of like oh i i i don't really know how to do that i kind of know how to do it but i don't really i'm not good good at it and this is this is also i think part of the kind of the loo type of genius yeah. to me is the one who is more nimble and this is not by the way to like try and diss the breast type because breast is a fantastic warrior if he stays in his fucking lane it's <laughs> when you put breast into a role that he's not actually driven and and dedicated to and really really good at that you get all these problems um not breast a war breast as a warrior is great that's they should have left him do that <laughs> well i was just thinking of like you know, um, I've been reading a bit over here um, and two people I've been looking at of later, like Tiger Woods and Bruce Lee. 
and not not that they're necessarily this um uh because bruce lee had a, a early days of being a bit of a bit of a you know a show off and all the rest of it and and making people unhappy with his teachings but he became extremely well-rounded he, he, like he 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 experimented with all of the types of of tai chi's and karate's and different combinations of everything and found his own route and always wanted to find promote people to be able to do it their own way in whatever way they suited and having activity in both um you know muscle gain and and uh, cardio and like he just he was a well-rounded kind of human being by the end of his journey certainly uh when you compare it to the fixated mindset of tiger woods who had an image brought up about him that it, he began to believe and hide behind and then you know act completely opposite to what that hero mm -hmm. image would would actually do and take advantage of it massively you have a very strong similarity to like oh the breast guy who was just perceives himself to be as brilliant as everyone has always told himself to be and then deserve, he takes all the rewards that are seemingly yeah. you know justified to take and he was and, owed them anyway and, and i think somebody, in it yeah in a, in a human character that creates such a massive dysfunction as well doesn't it because then you yeah. get the the fact that the the public persona and the private persona do not reconcile is actually incredibly psychologically damaging to most people because it's it's this dissonance is with you all day every day and you don't know how to fix it because the yeah. only way to fix it is to like have integrity and be honest but that means losing potentially everything so this is like you see these public figures who have been put on pedestals like implode spectacularly because that that psychological weight i think just gets too big to bear Whereas if you're kind of more open about owning your mistakes and owning your human frailty, I think it's sets you up for less of that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it always comes down to the, the, the personal and like, you know, I, I think uh, it doesn't, the whole point of it, it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't end. You don't get to a destination and you're always happy. You don't get to a, a position or a life or a mansion or a, or a career end goal. And you're, you're done and you're tick the box. Life is sorted because you'll always have tomorrow morning to wake up to, you know? So it's, it's about how you uh, fundamentally achieve a level of putting up with yourself that it, you know, turns into self-love and gratitude and, and cohabiting the kind of, the behaviors that make you you know more capable and like i think what i really take from the loose story is that endless curiosity even if you're not a genius at it all ask fucking find out you know wonder about it ask about it and and and, yeah. and why don't like if if you stop being curious like there's a, a there's a million and one answers out there for questions you haven't asked you know so like if you haven't asked asked the question like Ian kind of didn't have when he went to Bureau, like it's on you to ask it and find out. Yep. You know, and you might but not maybe, get the answer to the question that you asked, but you'll get one that you need. There you go. There you go. Um, I think that was pretty. Uh, I think know, that was pretty thorough. I think we spent twenty minutes on a cow, but I think that's fine. I think she deserved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll be we'll be talking about, I guess, the the the, the battle and what what will be coming next. Will you know, certainly be 
Lou and Balor facing off as it's kind of destined to be. And that whole preparation for the battle, which is uh, <laughs> a good one, a good long one anyway. And mm. uh, so we'll leave it there for now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, very happy with uh, the Lou story. I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening to it again with with uh, with the music now. Um, yes. And yeah, so hopefully you're able to watch this on YouTube. Thank you very much for subscribing and liking to our channel. Uh, if you haven't, do the thing. Um, do the thing. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah.